By now, you've heard the news that Kyrie Irving has, in fact, been traded in principle to the Dallas Mavericks, expected to go through a physical on Monday and could make his debut for the Mavericks alongside Luka Doncic as early as Wednesday against the Clippers. Good morning to you, too. It's a Monday. It's the Monday of Super Bowl week. And yes, the NBA threatens to commandeer the attention, the storylines, the drama, the news cycle with not just a Kyrie Irving trade, but the trade deadline that comes up on Thursday, the same day, incidentally, that many believe LeBron James will ascend to the top of the mountain and become the NBA's all-time scoring leader. Well, that could be a day. <laughs> so, I dare say even on Radio Row in Arizona, there will be a ton of conversation around LeBron James and Kyrie Irving this week. So it's all happening this second week in February, first full week in February. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on Facebook, on Twitter, A-Law Radio. We're asking you in light of the past three and a half years, knowing what we know now, if you are the Brooklyn Nets, was it worth it? If you're the Brooklyn Nets, was it worth it? Would you go back and do it again? You sign Kyrie. He and KD come together. It's a sign-and-trade, but essentially free agents. You sign KD to a new deal. Now he's under contract for four years or another three and a half. But you can't ever really come to a common ground with Kyrie. You bring in James Harden, Steve Nash, other players that these two want, but injuries and... Decisions by Kyrie keep the two from ever really giving the fans and the franchise what it wanted, which was a dynamic duo. Do you know that with the Nets, KD and Kyrie only ever played 74 games together? 74 games together. Despite all the buzz, all the hype, All the championship predictions, they played 74 games together. Kyrie could have played 278 total games. Only ever was on the court for 143 of those. Just a little more than half. The ownership of the Nets, Joe Sy spent a hell of a lot of money on those two guys. Now, KD is still a net, but for how long? What What do we think happens next? So I would say this, at least for now, the fact that you have Kevin Durant under contract would say that there's there's at least some positive. It's not all bad. But I don't know if I'm the Nets, I go back and do it all over again. KD, Kyrie, James Harden, all three of them requested trades out in the last 12 months. Two of those trade requests have now been answered. Two of those trade requests have now been granted. It wasn't that long ago that it was Kevin Durant who was giving the owner an ultimatum. The coach and the GM go or I go. Oh, except problem is you don't have any leverage. But is he happy with Kyrie gone? Can they win a title with just KD? Maybe he's not even healthy right now. Still a few days away. Maybe even it'll be after the All-Star break, right? So... 
He's got some nice pieces around him and a coach who cares about basketball more than he cares about drama. However, it's likely not enough to survive the East. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. They are under 500 with just one superstar. Now, Kyrie is no KD. KD is a, he's a complete player. Kyrie has always been much more one-sided. And mentally, he's not always fully present when it comes to basketball. And he's told us that, that he doesn't care about basketball more than anything else. Kevin Durant does. So you at least still have KD. You sold a lot of tickets, a lot of jerseys. There was a lot of attention, but it wasn't long before it soured. 74 games together and a revolving door. And obviously a coach that got fired too. So plenty of fallout with one playoff series win to show for it. Was it worth it? We're asking you to weigh in on Twitter, A-Law Radio, and also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. This is the start of Super Bowl week, obviously, but it was also the wrap-up to the Pro Bowl festivities in Vegas. A lot of players getting interviewed, a lot of players speaking up, a lot of good feels, good vibes. Also, nice gesture by Peyton Manning to allow Derek Carr to be the last of the AFC quarterbacks to play in their flag football game. Oh, a flag football game with tackling in in case you didn't see it. A lot of smiles, seemed like a lot of joy, a lot of hugs, a lot of fun, which ultimately I think is a great reward for being among the best at your position in any given season. So if they like it, I like it. I had it on in the background. I was doing a bunch of work, but I enjoyed seeing them smile. I liked hearing them mic'd up. I didn't like it when the announcers were talking over them being mic'd up so I couldn't hear it. Most of the time, the volume was muted, but it was fun to see their facial expressions and to to recognize that they truly did care, even for flag football. So we'll have a little more from Vegas coming up. Derek Carr got his moment, but now the Raiders are allowing him and his agents to talk to other teams. Similar arrangement, but this is what it was compared to, the way the Texans allowed Deshaun Watson's camp to go and seek a potential trade partner. I think Jimmy Garoppolo and his agents had that opportunity too, but that didn't quite pan out. There's more with Derek Carr. We'll get into it this week. It's a big week for the NFL, not just because of the Super Bowl. That's a big fat duh, of course. And the Eagles and the Chiefs have already landed in the desert, but... It's big for other reasons. There's business that's done there. It's a convention of sorts for the NFL. The Hall of Fame class will be unveiled. And the NFL honors are handed out. That's supposed to happen on Thursday, by the way. In a big old ceremony. Televised. Lots of star power. And LeBron James may end up setting the scoring record on the same night. (laughs) Of course, there's 365 days to a year, and this is the one. (laughs) It's Thursday (laughs) when he could end up setting the scoring record. That cracks me up. Oh, my goodness. So, yes, it's my opinion that the NBA is doing this on purpose, attempting to hijack Super Bowl week. I mean, I'm just here for the chaos. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio.
again, uh, we've had an opportunity to collect a lot of details. If you missed my conversation with New York Post insider Brian Lewis, we're going to bring back just a part of that. Not the whole thing. You can check it out on our podcast. But what we did find out is that Dallas is willing to give this a shot. And according to Mark Stein, Luca was in favor of it, is in favor of it. They went to Luca. They consulted Luca Doncic and said, how do you feel if we trade away Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith, but we bring in Kyrie Irving with all of his baggage, with all of the quirks. He's quirky. With all of that, how do you feel about bringing him in? Now, for Dallas, I would say they gave up quite a lot. I I like the return the Nets got, especially considering the fact that the entire NBA knows that Kyrie would be a free agent at the end of the season. So if that's the case, you only trade for him if you really believe that he can help you and you're hoping he can put you over the top. And it's clear that that's what Dallas did in what is a very crowded middle of the Western Conference where it seems like few teams are able to break out. And so for the Dallas Mavericks, they're hoping that this move with a motivated Kyrie, knowing that he wants a deal, a max deal when the season is done, that he's going to play his best basketball and that he's actually going to care about basketball for the next couple months, which is saying something. So Spencer Dinwiddie goes back to the Nets. He spent more than half his career in Brooklyn, really cut his teeth in the NBA in Brooklyn, and they loved him. I actually thought that was... Well, that was a move I didn't love. I don't I don't didn't love a lot of the moves the Nets made over the last three, four years. That one I really didn't love. But he got hurt going into the 21 season or got hurt and they ended up trading him to Washington. And so they get him back. That's your starting point guard right there. Alongside Ben Simmons in the Nets backcourt. Dorian Finney-Smith, a great role player. They got a bunch of those. They got a lot of guys that they believe with the ball in their hands can be, I guess it would be a third option now. A third option, a fourth option. Alongside, well, I mean, there's no KD right now either. So, you know, I guess Spencer Dinwiddie instantly becomes their top scorer. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Honestly, kind of right now, yeah. Uh, what did I see? Spencer was averaging just under 18 points and five assists per game. And so, yeah, without KD until he comes back, maybe he is your top option. But uh, Cam Thomas had 44 points on Saturday in a huge comeback. He's having a great second year as a follow-up to his rookie campaign where he got a lot of attention. Seth Curry, Patty Mills. The problem is none of those is a superstar. They're all great players. But they're not superstars. And so until KD comes back, you're just kind of, you're treading water without Kyrie. And so we know that the Dallas Mavericks are willing to give this a try. We know that both the Suns and Lakers proposed trades and the Nets rejected them both. The the Lakers is not so much about personnel. They were willing to give up two first-round picks in 27 and 29. The owner of the Lakers was not interested in trading Kyrie where he wanted to go to the Lakers. You can imagine Joe size had it. Everything that's happened with Kyrie. He's probably happy to see him go. The Suns were willing to give up Chris Paul and Jay Crowder and picks, but the Nets rejected that offer as well and went with Dallas. They do get a first rounder and a pair of second rounders. 
Um, Kyrie's numbers, I, he's played 40 games this year. Remember, he was suspended for eight. And then there's been a couple of other games missed. Actually, it was a scratch on Saturday. So 40 games this season, just over 27 points, five assists and five rebounds per game. And he's shooting at a pretty nice clip from deep. He's shooting 37% from beyond the arc. The, the man could still score. That's never been the issue. The basketball has never been the issue. It's been his availability. And there's a track record now. So which Kyrie do the Mavericks get? Again, I believe he should be motivated because he wants a max deal. That's ultimately, sounds like, one of the reasons why the negotiations broke off with the Nets and he demanded the trade or asked for the trade on Friday. It just blows me away that in not even 12 months, three superstars, or yeah, I guess we'll call them three all-stars, but definitely some of the best in the NBA, have come into Brooklyn only to ask for a trade. 12 months, three different trade requests from three different stars. Wow. I don't think that's the kind of t- that's the kind of track record that you want. And so we're asking you, is it worth it? Was it worth it? Also, the latest on Steph Curry. Okay, I'm not a doctor, so I suppose I shouldn't even bother to try to play one on the radio. I had never heard of these ligaments before. <laughs> I mean, I'm sad that he's injured. I'm, it's Partial tears to me sounds scary. Right now, they're not set on a timeline for how long Steph will be out, but he has partial tears to the superior tibiofibular ligaments and the interosseous. <laughs> I don't know if that's right. The, Bless you. The interosseous membrane. And so he will be out tonight, but they're still trying to figure out a timeline. Steve Kerr, he also saw the update and spoke on Sunday. You saw the release. I'm I'm not a doctor, so I didn't know, <laughs> I know. those ligaments existed. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think, you know, the main thing is um, – He's he's going to be out for a little bit. We're going to reevaluate in a few days. Um, and the good news is he's he's going to be back. You know, it, we don't exactly know when, but it's not an injury that's going to keep him out um, for the season. He's going to come back this season and um, hopefully sooner rather than later, but we'll know more in a few days and as he continues to heal. In the meantime, um, we're we're in a position where um, we we just got through a stretch without him. Eleven games uh, recently when he was out and uh, held our own. We know we can hold our own now. And um, we went through this last year when he missed, I think, the final ten games of the season or so, and um, and obviously went on a, a great run in the playoffs. So. We have some experience with this, and we're confident that we can uh, keep things going and and um, be where we want to be by the end of the year. And they're one of those teams that's kind of stuck in that crowd in the middle of the Western Conference. There's still a long way to go. All-Star break is coming up. Before that, trade deadline. So, yes, injuries part of the equation. Trades. Big trades, part of the equation. Though this is rare to have an all-star go from one team to another in the middle of a season. Doesn't happen a ton. So, Kyrie, LeBron, trade deadline, all-star talk. Is it going to derail 
the NFL and it's isn't Monday the big media fan fest I don't know I don't even know what they call it it's a primetime event now in the NFL where they do the media availability and they call it media night I think uh, everything these days is a primetime must see TV event in the opinion of the NFL it'll be interesting to see the ratings for the NFL honors versus LeBron's game on Thursday now he does have a game on Tuesday against Oklahoma City and it's been pushed to national TV, so it's a 7 o'clock L.A. time start, 10 o'clock Eastern time start, and he's 36 points away. Could he get that in one game? Hell yeah. But you may want to make your Thursday night available too because if it's not Tuesday, then it could be Thursday, and that one also is on national TV starting at the same time. So they've changed the start times to accommodate the national TV schedule. I just think it would be hysterical. 365 days in a year, and it happens to be the same night as the NFL honors. <laughs> Sports make me laugh. Hijackers. They're hijackers. That's what they are. That's what real men do. <laughs> All right. On Twitter, ALL Radio. On our Facebook page, too. Hope you enjoyed the weekend. Stayed warm, stayed cool, whatever it is that you do on your weekends. I know that. I did a dog walk in minus 18 degree wind chills. That was super fun. Uh, so there's even photo evidence. Coming up next, a few minutes with Brian Lewis, who covers the Nets and the NBA. And I asked him, was it worth it? You'll hear his response. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. You have responsibility as a basketball player. And there's a business side to this thing and there's a human side to this thing. I elected to touch on the human side uh, and check on him as an individual. Uh, I'll leave the business side to, to Sean and that group. Of course, everybody was surprised, but you know, that's, you know, that's, that's, you know, it's not my business. That's still my brother at the end of the day. You know, he's, only, he's one of the few guys who I really consider a brother in basketball. You know, just a big brother who I can look up to and ask anything to. So that's still my brother no matter what at the end of the day. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning to you. Happy Monday. You got this. The big story on this morning is Kyrie Irving traded out of Brooklyn and on his way to Dallas, along with Markeith Morris, though, honestly, not many people are mentioning that poor guy. Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 first-round pick and a couple of second-rounders. That's the haul for the Nets in return. I'm pretty impressed that they got that much, considering that Kyrie was likely to be a free agent at the end of the season. The contract talks broke down between he and the Nets on Friday, and he asked for a trade again. So here's where we are. Brian Lewis joined us earlier in the show to give us the details that he had. uh, And I asked him the same question that I am asking you. Was it worth it to bring in Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, knowing everything that transpired since that point? I'd say so. Yeah. Well, I would say so because I don't think you're getting Kevin Durant here without getting Kyrie here. That's the crux of the matter. You can't get one without the other. Well, 
you probably could have gotten Kyrie without Kevin, but you couldn't get Kevin without Kyrie. <laughs> so that becomes mandatory, right? Now the question is, all right, is signing both of them worth it? And again, I would say yes, because the Nets roster at the beginning of that season was essentially the envy of the league. And I'll say that because and I understand that Kevin was a signing trade, but essentially you are taking those two into cap space and you still have an incredibly deep team around them. The only thing you lost was D'Angelo Russell, right? Mm-hmm. So that team, yes. Anytime you have a chance to go for a title and to give yourself a reasonable opportunity to win a championship, I say you have to go for it. And as much fun as the Harris Levert team was with D'Lo. That team had a ceiling, and that ceiling was not a championship. So if the object is to win, then I'd say, yes, it was worth it. Where I have maintained from the beginning is that where it went wrong was trading for hard. Oh, yes. That, I think, was a bridge too far. And unfortunately, I think that all started, we can trace that back to when Spencer Dinwiddie got hurt. The beginning of that season, that team, as it was constructed, I think could have won a championship. But when Spencer gets hurt, eventually you go and you chase and you go big game hunting and big name hunting and they trade for Harden and you gut that depth. Mm. And it sends them down the path where now you have to make a trade and you brought in Ben Simmons. And then it just starts snowballing. That's where it went wrong. But I say going out and getting Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving as free agents, essentially, that's worth it. That's worth taking your shot at. Brian Lewis covers the Nets in the NBA for the New York Post with us here after hours on CBS Sports Radio as Kyrie Irving gets his wish this time and is headed to Dallas, or maybe not his whole wish. What does the Kyrie trade mean for Kevin Durant, Brian? Well, I think that's the question everybody wants to know. That's the (laughs) the million-dollar question. Oh, yes. Hell, maybe the half-million-dollar question. (laughs) Um, most teams, if not all, are probably checking right now with the Nets or with KD or with Rich Kleinman or anybody that they can get any intel from to see where KD's headspace is. I don't have an answer to that. I don't think very many people have an answer to that at this point. But that's what any responsible organization with any kind of championship hopes would be doing. I have no doubt that Phoenix is doing that. I have no doubt that others that are hoping to rekindle their efforts to get KD, they're doing that now. That's also another reason why I think it probably could be in the offing for the Nets to repackage some of these draft assets with a player or two and bring in an impact player before the deadline. If for no other reason than to convince KD, we're still going to be relevant. We're still going to be taking our shot and hanging up the banner. And most important, yes, we're still a team you should be willing to play for. So in your opinion, the Nets are not looking to get rid of him. They're hoping that's not a domino that falls. 
Oh, I don't think it's the Nets' intent to trade KD any more than I thought it was their intent to trade him in the summer. There are some times when, yes, a team says, I need to part with this player, either because he has a bad attitude or because you look and you say, we are not where we need to be in the win column, so this is going to accelerate our rebuild. But this is not a Herschel Walker from the Cowboys to Minnesota situation. (laughs) They never wanted to get rid of Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant had four years left on his contract. That's why he's still here. And now Kevin Durant has, whatever, three and a half years left on his contract. (laughs) I don't think they have any intention to get rid of him unless they're absolutely forced to. Now, I think what they need to do is make sure that he and they are on the same page and show him and convince him that they can still be championship caliber. I'm not certain that this roster is championship caliber. It was championship caliber before. That doesn't mean that they were guaranteed to win anything, Mm -hmm. as we've seen. But they were a contender. I think their odds as an example... They might have had the fourth best odds. I'm not really a gambling man, but I think they were about the fourth best odds to win the championship. Now they plummeted to about 10th. Mm. And I'm saying I think it would be wise to rejigger the roster again and move some of these assets to bring in a reasonable impact player to A, placate KD, and B, put yourself in a better position to contend because the NBA is open. It's wide open. It is. Years they say they want parity. Well, they finally have it. <laughs> it's interesting that you use the word placate, though. Like it's been the last couple of years, their focus is going to be on keeping the star, in this case there's just one left, the star happy. I hope that aligns with them doing the right thing for their franchise, but it hasn't for the last couple of years, Brian. That's true. Uh, it has not worked out, but you're not placating two people. You're now talking about <laughs> one person. And you are talking about one person that, when he is healthy, shows up every night. He does. Focused on basketball and keeping the main thing the main thing. He is obsessed with the game. And he's a much easier player to placate. Because all you have to do to placate him is make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is going for a championship. That's what teams should be doing. (laughs) And if you do your job, KD will be happy. Mm. That's a pretty simple ask. Just do your job. KD may be simple and one-track-minded, but that's not Kyrie. It's never been Kyrie. His issue is not ability, it's availability. And the Nets finally were willing to cut bait. And I would say there's got to be relief. They don't have to even worry about spending any more money on him. Of course, they lose a a, a big-time offensive star. And now KD is injured, so this team is going to be treading water. However... It may just be addition by subtraction. No one's heard from KD yet. Has anyone heard from Steve Nash? Because I actually would really like to know Steve Nash and his thoughts and reactions. (laughs) There's more with Brian Lewis. I ask him 
the high point of the Kyrie Irving era in Brooklyn. What was the high point? His answer, actually, it's not even his answer. It's the first, I'm not kidding you, eight seconds of silence. I counted. He goes, oh. And then there's eight seconds of silence. (laughs) Come on, bro. (laughs) So check out the bulk of that interview. There's a lot more to uh, Brian Lewis, my conversation with him just a couple hours ago here on CBS Sports Radio. Was it worth it? You tell me. On Twitter, on Facebook. Also, brand new video on YouTube. We're launching our Super 6 Super Bowl series. The Super Bowl edition of Ask Amy Anything already posted to our YouTube channel. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. goodness what an exciting day there were sled pushes there are cool ball catches a lot of happening stuff out there today and you got a fullback who's probably mvp baby kyle use check for the win nfc all right it's official you can't you can't doubt it i am the greatest coach of the mannings i'm uh, so much better at coaching than peyton's unbelievable the nfc won you guys bought in they played awesome uh, there's too many, too many good players, and uh, to name an MVP, the whole NFC gets uh, gets MVP this year. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. George Kittle never, never wastes an opportunity to have a good time. Uh, part of the NFC's victorious squad at the Pro Bowl games, he was on Instagram, and then Coach Eli Manning, uh, who really only cared about outdoing his brother Peyton, who was the coach of the AFC. I don't know if that was before or after his ice water bath. <laughs> But there were some fun exchanges between Eli and the players. So, actually, this is also from NFL Twitter. Uh, Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons were pleading with Eli to allow them to suit up, haha, and play offense in their flag football clash. Can I play receiver? I know. I wish you could. We are instructions that offense cannot play defense, defense cannot play offense. Both of you guys, both of you guys want to get on. No, know how you're going to have to play offense? Get a pick. You get a pick. You can, you can jump everything this game. There were some really fun moments, too. Trayvon and Stephon Diggs, brothers, matched up against each other in their flag football game. And actually, <laughs> Trayvon picked off Stephon, or picked off, not Stephon. Well, it was Stephon, yeah, because he was trying a throw, right? Yes. Yes, it was. I actually saw this. Anyway, Trayvon got the bragging rights, got the trash talking uh, because of his interception with Stephon on the field same time. I was in his head. He tried to throw a no look, and I seen him, and then took it to the – well, I didn't take it to the house. I called a pick. It was good enough. I should have took it to the house, but I called a pick, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> These things are fun. That was on uh, NFL Network. Yes, in fact, it was this kind of weird, unconventional play uh, where Trayvon picks off his brother <laughs> – that's something you're never going to see. Um, but Stefan catches this lateral, and then he tries to throw it uh, to the end zone, but Trayvon is there. And so they were going back and forth. It was really cool to see the two of them uh, together. I actually enjoyed that. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. A lot of talk around Derek Carr, a lot of talk around his future. He is now allowed to speak to other teams, his camp is. But courtesy of Peyton Manning, he was the last quarterback to get out there on the flag football field for the AFC. And it gave him an opportunity to 
hear the love from the fans as well as really enjoy just a fun atmosphere with some of his teammates that were there as well. Geno Smith was playing for the NFC, so he was one of the early quarterbacks who was playing. And actually, uh, he's right in the mix of contract talks with the Seattle Seahawks, but it appears as though he could have year two as the Seahawks starter. We've had talks, and we're in, in the process of, you know, getting all that settled right now. Um, you know, it's looking very good. Uh, we, we, we think we can get some things done, uh, but obviously those things take time. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is the process that I hate about the NFL because <laughs> I just want to play football. But, you know, it's a business as well, and so we got to take care of business, and then we'll get back to the football. He was one of the fun surprises, one of the great surprises, although maybe not to Pete Carroll, uh, but he and the Seahawks. The fact that they were first place in the NFC West for a good chunk, a, 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 well, it was over a month, but also that they were right there in the mix, obviously, and uh, challenging where they were expected to be kind of DOA in the basement. Uh, they ended up making the playoffs as a wild card, had a winning record, and Geno Smith started all the way through. Pete Carroll had faith in him going back to the spring and the OTAs and 4,200 passing yards uh, he had for the offense, 30 touchdowns, uh, which is fairly incredible if you consider how low the ceiling was set for Geno. And their offense, top uh, top nine in the NFL in scoring, nearly 24 points per game. And so that, to me, is so powerful when you have a team and a coach who believe in you where really the rest of the league does not. Uh, it's amazing how much of a motivator it is when you know people believe in you and you want to pay them back and reward them for that. You know, I really wanted to prove those guys right. You know, Coach Carroll, John Schneider, uh, just how much faith they showed in me. Yeah. You know, obviously trading away uh, Russell Wilson, you know, had nothing to do with me, but, right. you know, just trading away the franchise cornerstone for, you know, 10 years and then, you know, making the transition. And then a guy like myself who had been, you know, written off, right. um, been on the bench, and then, you know, for them to see what the work that I've been putting in because I have been putting in an immense amount of work. And behind the scenes, I do a lot behind the scenes. And, you know, just for them to recognize that, meant a lot to me and uh, when the season came you know I knew what I was going to do I feel like they did as well but uh, it just had to happen I love that what he wanted to do was reward the team reward his coach prove them right so Geno Smith has found a home at least for now in the NFL we know another one of the great surprises of the the NFL season the regular season actually on into the playoffs for both Seattle and Jacksonville after losing five games in a row and starting out, was it one in six? Under the leadership of Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence takes a major leap and the Jaguars win the South in week 18, go on to host a playoff game and win that as well. We proved that we belong and it's a, you know, it's it's an accomplishment, obviously what we did to be able to make the playoffs and then win a playoff game. And But we know there's more out there for us. So that was, that was the main thing is everyone from the outside was, just you know happy that we got there but for us we know that there's more and that we had a chance and you know still guys are you know feel like we should still be playing so we have that hunger and that you know that drive for next season and you know hopefully we can bring as many guys back as possible because we got a really good group that that knows each other the chemistry is really strong and I think we're just going to keep building on that next year and just excited to to get to play with that group again and and you know when we start OTAs be able to start fresh and just build it. Trevor, I mean, the sky's the limit for this guy. You know, I've, I've known him since he came to our football camp years ago and uh, stayed in touch with him. 
um, you know, Federal War number 16, it, uh, because he was a Tennessee fan growing up, and I uh, uh, wish he would have gone to Tennessee, but we, we, we've gotten past that. But like the way he carries himself. So Peyton Manning, and, and that was on Jag's Twitter, talking about Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah, l- bright future there, a lot of hope. Really young team still in Jacksonville uh, with a coach who's got them believing and is changing the culture. It's after hours on CBS Sports Radio. Let's see a couple more from uh, from from Vegas and the, the uh, Pro Bowl games they were called in which the NFC prevailed. I don't even think I could explain the scoring system, but they were doing some fun stuff. Uh, the, the linemen who were pushing the sled with the Mannings on it, uh, the tire run. Actually, I guess everybody except for uh, Miles Garrett would love that because he suffered a dislocated toe, which clearly stinks. Uh, a lot of shack about how the league might change and what might look different, especially around Derek Carr because they were in his home stadium. Even Josh Jacobs was asked about whether or not he's ready to hit free agency. I mean, I would be a cluck not to, not <laughs> not not to explore it, but I, I'm not going to lie. This is where I want to be. Um, you know, I, I've, I've grown a fan base here. You know, I've, I've deepened into this organization. I've broke records and uh, I've built a home here, you know. Uh, and this is where I want to be, but at the same time, uh, it got to make sense. I'm not going to let them come in and, you know, disrespect me or anything like that. So it's got to make sense. Have there been an, has there been an offer? No, nah, we ain't talked yet, so <laughs> I don't know. Josh Jacobs on Sirius XM NFL Radio. Meanwhile, most of his teammates are talking about Derek Carr, and uh, he was asked about his contract. But Derek Carr was really one of the top top topics that sounds awkward uh one of the primary topics of conversation and lighter moments a lot of them I mentioned that Tyree Kill got leveled by Jalen Ramsey as he was taking a lateral from it was really more like a pitch but Devontae Adams thinks he's going to get stopped short of the end zone so he flips the ball to Tyree Kill who's racing up the sidelines of course he is and in doing that he gets inside the pylon but gets leveled in a flag football game by Jalen Ramsey and they're definitely was some tackling. There were rules on how many times the lineman could rush the quarterback, but you saw that too. Uh, Jair Alexander had a pick six off Trevor Lawrence when he was getting rushed. Jared Goff was getting rushed. Uh, So yeah, it was kind of funny. Oh, did you guys see the Minka Fitzpatrick? It's not a tackle, but the he ripped the flag uh, gosh, I'm going to remember who the receiver was, but it was a diving. It was one of those like moments. He dives and in one motion rips the flag off a receiver who was headed for the end zone. Had he not done that, it was brilliant and so athletic. Uh, but we'll leave you with this exchange between Tyree Kill and Ray Lewis. They're talking, this is Dolphins Twitter, talking about who might win the battle of the open field. It's third and one. Do you think you tackling me? Open field. Easy. I'm playing. Now it depends on the situation. Third and one open field. Like it's just it's just, it's just a bad matchup. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna run you over. But, well, see now if you take that choice, then I'm probably gonna win that one. But if you make me miss and use your speed, then you you may get away. No, nah, I'm running you over. But if I got the right angle though, T, it's a bad day. I'm talking about a bad day. <laughs> why you make everything why you make everything sound so motivational <laughs> like I felt that like, it's gonna be a bad time. I mean so bad you know and the fans then the fam stopped liking me and stuff <laughs> oh that was great that was great
Okay, if you are Tyreek Hill, why the heck would you ever take that route? Attempting to run through Ray Lewis when when you could be untouched and just race away from him, take any angle you want. Although Ray says, depending upon the angle you take, you may live to regret it or just not live. Um, but wh- why? Just to be stubborn? Just to prove that you're a mighty man? I mean, compared to Ray Lewis, you're a mighty mouse. You do not need to be attempting to, to go through Ray Lewis. You're not Derrick Henry, who's going to throw a stiff arm. Stop it. Uh, speaking of Derrick Henry stiff arms, that was actually one of the questions, I know, around our, our brand new video, Super 6 Series F1. Ask Amy anything Super Bowl version in which a furry critter makes a cameo. I had no idea. I was very surprised when I saw it back. Check it out on YouTube and we'll talk tonight. It's After Hours, CBS Sports Radio. Boom!